Well, if you've been worshiping with us for a while, you know that in the afternoon service we devote our attention to topics, one after the other, and we used uh, an old confession for this, the Heidelberg Catechism, broken into 52 weeks, 52 Lord's Days or 52 Sundays, you could say, and we get to Lord's Day 37, which is about um, swearing an oath in the name of the Lord, and that is the third commandment. Let me read the third commandment. The topic is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, so in connection with that, let's read from a few scripture passages. Deuteronomy 10, page 214 in your Bible. Deuteronomy 10, beginning at verse 12. Hear the word of God through Moses. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens, can, they belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise the, the foreskin of your heart, and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. Notice that. That's the reason I'm reading this. Is you shall take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Let's turn to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus preaching there, and verse 33 to verse 37, so page 11, well, 1116. Matthew 5, verse 33, again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. One more scripture reading. This is from the end of Jesus' life. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 57. Page 1146, uh, 1147. So Matthew 26, beginning at verse 57. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. 
But Peter followed him at a distance in the, to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, he said, uh, they answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? That's our reading at this time. Let's uh, read the confessional summary of the third commandment that you have. If you can find at the back of the songbook, page 554. For the last little bit and for the upcoming bit, every Lord's Day gives one commandment summary. Each of the Ten Commandments gets one Lord's Day, except Lord's Day 37. The Third Commandment gets two full weeks of attention. And you're like, why? It's because this was hotly disputed at the time of the Great Reformation when this was written. There was a lot of dispute. The Anabaptists were uh, leaving the Roman Catholic Church at the time, and they said, we absolutely may not take any oath at all, never do anything more than yes or no. So here's Lord's Day 37, but may we swear an oath by the name of God in a godly manner? Yes, when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is based on God's word and was therefore rightly used by saints in the Old and the New Testament. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No. A lawful oath is calling upon God, who alone knows the heart, to bear witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. So let's, after the sermon, we're going to sing Psalm 24, again, about the oaths that we make in God's name. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. Congregation, brothers and sisters loved by Jesus Christ, words are weak. Words, they are little pressure waves floating in the air, and they die off within moments. They're gone. 
Just for a split second. That's all, as long as a word lasts. Maybe you have gotten into an argument. You said you would. You're like, no, I never did. And it's back and forth, you know. Some households have a lot of fighting. And there's a lot of arguing about what you promised you would do and what you said you did do or didn't do. And it's he said, she said. Where's the proof? Words can be twisted. People twist them all the time. Lies. People lie all the time. Maybe you had to use the phone the other day, call some big company, and as you're phoning them, the first thing, before you press one for English or whatever it is, the phone answering machine says, this call may be recorded for all sorts of purposes, but it's because words are weak, really. If, that, if they were honest about it, your words are weak. That's why we're recording the call. Because in a moment, you're going to say, I never called, I never said, I never promised. And every company knows they can't trust words. Or you sign documents. You go to Service Ontario. Some of you have been there for a while. Buying a vehicle. Why not just say, oh, I, here's the bill of sale, but um, I paid this much for it. Why do you have to sign? Because words are not enough. Your words are weak. That's why there is such a thing as a vow, an oath. These words I'll use overlap, okay? A vow is a certain kind of oath, but I want you to hear this afternoon. It's like a heavy-duty promise, a vow, an oath. It's more than a word. It's one that will last for more than a split second. Words are weak, so we need to beef them up. And God, in His wisdom, has said, here's how to do it. Add some oomph to your words. Make a vow. Take an oath in the name of the Lord. And so you can just think of a few that happen among church people. Marriage, there's a vow. Baptism, ordination, if you become an elder or a deacon or a pastor. How about profession of faith? You make a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you say those words, you can say some words, and words just might evaporate into thin air. Sometime later in your life, you're having a bad day, you're like, I did not know what I was getting into. I totally did not mean what I said when I said I do. Therefore, there's a vow, an oath. You can't just change your mind just because you had a good day, a bad day health, sickness, riches, poverty. It's not going to go up and down like that. The oath adds oomph to your words. And that's the benefit of the oath. The first point I'm bringing across, it promotes fidelity and truth. Fidelity, that's a great Latin word. Um, You might know of Wi-Fi. Everybody's heard of Wi-Fi, so it's just wireless fidelity, wireless faithfulness. The old-timers will remember the old hi-fi stereo system, high-fidelity audio, right, for your music in your living room. But fidelity is faithfulness. You had the original, and you have the end result, and it's true the whole way through. The original recording, and here it is live. It's, It's still there. The benefit of the oath is 
the truth makes it through. You can't just back out because you've had a rough day. So the oath is, do you notice that it's under the third commandment and it's not something under the ninth commandment about bearing false witness? It's about the name of the Lord, the oath, because that is what you're going to do to add oomph, strength, authority to anything you say. There's one way that God says, this is how you do it. Exalt my name. Point to me. Call me up. This is really important because you know your name, you know your reputation, people around you know you, right? I I could be dishonest, I could be a little shifty once in a while when I'm in a tight spot. I like to back out when I'm cornered. But God, you know his name, he is my witness, he will punish me if I swear falsely. An oath is to call upon God who knows and who sees everything. And he will witness, he will listen in, and he will punish if you don't keep your word. When you swear an oath, you are saying, here I stand before God, the highest authority, and there's one name above all names. What's the name? Well, let's break this down. When you make a promise, you're calling God your witness, right? He sees, hears, and knows absolutely everything. What's more to his name? Besides witness, he is the truth. Remember Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? He is the truth. He hates lies. And he absolutely loves the truth. And you're calling God, what's another part to the name? You're calling him, when you think about punishment, you're calling him judge. He will bring you before his judgment seat. To answer to him. So just by using God's name in an oath, that's what strengthens your words. This is what makes society function. That's included Lord's Day 37 when it says we may swear an oath in order to maintain fidelity and tr- uh, maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Our neighbor's good. You know how nice it is that we live in a society where your word is not going to be something you back out of. I'll just give you some examples in the Bible. An oath here or there. Think of Abraham and Abimelech. You go back in time, Genesis 21. Abraham and the leader of the Philistines. Remember the Philistines were sometimes just neighbors and they weren't enemies at that time when Abraham was around. Anyway, Abimelech is the king of the Philistines and he noticed how the Lord has been blessing Abraham so much in the land next door to him And he makes Abraham, he asks Abraham, can you swear an oath? Swear an oath by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants. Respect our border. And it says there, Abraham swore it. The oath was good for the neighbors. Another example, you think of a little further in time is Jacob. Jacob, at the time he left his father-in-law, Laban, Remember, Jacob had gotten married to two of Laban's daughters. And now he was done with Laban. Laban's so dishonest. But uh, Jacob, on his way, he first has to make an oath, a promise, a covenant, you could say. And Laban says, promise me one thing, Jacob. What should he promise? Jacob, don't take any more wives besides Rachel and Leah. 
and never come back to cause me harm. So Jacob takes an oath in the name of, and it's interesting, especially with this morning ringing in the back of your mind. Jacob takes an oath in the name of the fear of Isaac, which you all know is God. And he's referencing the fear. Who is awesome? Who would make all fears run away? And it reassures Laban right there. No matter how far away from Jacob, he knows that Jacob's God is the highest authority. He knows, sees everything. Jacob's God would punish Jacob if he didn't keep his word. And that's how the oath is promoting people getting along. Faithfulness. Truth. But there's no accountability. Jacob living in some faraway land, he could take wives. And when would Jacob hear about it? It's not posted on Facebook back then. Laban would never hear about it. But God sees all, and he's made an oath. And God is his witness, and God will punish him. So you know, this is what I'm saying. Words are weak, and these beefed-up promises, they help a lot. They help society function. That's the benefit. We live in a broken world, but now yeses can mean a little more like a yes, and it lasts a little longer than the next time you're in trouble. And your no means no, and it lasts for a little longer. And you have this as the background now, that there are people at the time of the Great Reformation where swearing oaths was not allowed. They read a text like, you shall not swear oaths, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The Anabaptist tradition. Today, the Mennonites, very hard to find a Mennonite who would swear an oath. They will use something called an affirmation instead. Notice then in the Catechism, we have the answer of yes. But it qualifies it, saying in a godly manner. Because, hang on, not all oaths are done properly. Not all vows and commitments and promises you make are, are reliable. So let's just make sure you understand, you must make your oaths in a godly way. And it says, like, when the government demands it of its subjects, right? Next time you... Um, you notice an immigrant coming to the country, they want to become a citizen, uh, they make citizenship vows. When the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires of it. Next time you're filling in your tax papers, you'll notice you're signing something that says, this is truly my income, and you are adding a vow at the bottom. My second point is that not only did you hear the words are weak, and so we get a vow. But the second point is the oath itself, the vow itself is also weak. Not that weak, not as weak as just words floating in the air, but here's the point. The oath has a weakness. It too can be manipulated. And so that's why we read from Matthew 5. You have clear examples the Lord Jesus confronting the Jews, the, the Pharisees especially, for making oaths. And they were making oaths in such a way, they were making these vows in such a way with loopholes built right in. We call that the fine print. Swearing an oath had become totally bogus. A yes no longer was a yes. They're like, yeah, that's not really what I said. Did you hear what I said? It was more like, it depends. We do this sometimes. You say, I promised, but I had my fingers crossed. And the Pharisees were doing that all the time. 
except with religious language, with the fine print of the oath. You could detect it in Matthew 5, what we were reading, because the Jews would swear by different things, by created things, not by God himself, but they would find these things that were really close and really important and high up, holy things. And they would swear by heaven, because that's pretty close to being where God is, and earth, or Jerusalem, or someone's head, you know, their authority. Theirs became a culture of how to get something by making it sound like you were meaning business, when in actual fact, you wanted a way out. You did not swear by the name of the Lord properly. And in that, in that whole bogus scenario, the oath is not able to stand up and defend itself. It could be manipulated by liars. And the oath is weak. It can't change the heart of a person to make them honest inside. So Jesus was telling the, the, the leaders back then, to their faces, he was saying, you were liars, John 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. If you listen in to conversations we make, you notice that we often ramp up the words. We try to convince others. We have our techniques of convincing that we are speaking the truth and that we are reliable. There's ways that we draw attention to our name. I'll just give you an, an idea. Sometimes you speak more loudly. When people aren't listening, you're like, I mean it, and you yell. Okay? That's one technique of adding some oomph to your words. You speak longer. Let's say you just keep running on with lots of words and never give a break. That's a way of keeping somebody from responding. Maybe use huge, highfalutin words. Convince people that you're right because you know better. Maybe use bad language. That's how you can add some oomph to your words in the way the world does. A person might use watered-down versions of oaths nowadays, like God knows, for Pete's sake, for crying out loud, heaven help me. You find this. There's lots of small versions of oaths. But the question is, what makes you trustworthy? What makes your word reliable? And that's the point of swearing oaths properly. Here's an opportunity to lift up God's name. I answer to Him. He is my witness. I want to show strength and conviction. An oath is for honoring God. There's no better opportunity than when you're weak and you're untrustworthy that you point to someone greater than yourself. You're going to honor God. Deuteronomy 10 this, this is really good because in Deuteronomy 10, we're outright told to swear oaths in God's name. We read that. Fear the Lord your God, which you noticed because this morning you heard that. Fear the Lord your God. Hold fast to Him. Take your oaths in His name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you these great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. If you've just seen the Lord God save you, you've experienced His rescue, you're delivered He's like, don't you know of any better name than mine? I've just shown you who I am. 
This is who you worship. Who are you going to boast about? Whose word settles everything for you? It's your Father in heaven. So we swear an oath, Deuteronomy 10 is saying, we make our vows before the Lord because we know His name is unlike any other name. And we will find strength in Him so that we could keep our promises. That was my second point. Even oaths can be manipulated. Even they have their weaknesses. But I'm going to go to the third point here, the victory of the oath. God himself swore oaths. He made promises. You think of promises he makes you at your baptism. I will wash you, he said. God swears oaths, and he's often done that because we don't know him well enough, or we, we forget who he is, and we don't remember his name properly. And he takes into account the fact that we are used to never relying on people, we're never trusting their words, and so he makes an oath in his own name. So you can trust me. Genesis 26, here's an example. The Lord says to Isaac that he swore to give Abraham land and many descendants to fill it. There's God speaking to Isaac. I will do it. And he swears an oath. It says Genesis 26. Psalm 89. The Lord says that he swore to David his servant. And I quote, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through the generations. Hebrews 6, men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. That's Hebrews 6. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he has promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Jesus Christ is your high priest, and I swear it with an oath, God says. That's Hebrews 6. And then we read the most victorious oath ever. Like the, it, it, that's the victory for us as believers. Matthew 26, Jesus Christ swears an oath in front of Caiaphas, the high priest. And you know, the trial was going on. Jesus called before the Sanhedrin, the highest leaders of the land of Judah. And the Jews were trying to figure out what to pin him with. Finally, it came down to this. The high priest says, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And if there was ever a day for Jesus to back out and say, this is not going in the right direction. This is going to cost me my life. It was that day. If there was ever a day to find a loophole in the oath, it was that day. So he would not have to go to the cross to die for you and me. But Jesus Christ says, it is as you've said. He keeps his oaths at any cost. That's Psalm 15. It would cost him his life. He would experience the wrath of God unlike anything we've ever known. The wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. He is your hope. This is the victory, brothers and sisters, against all the power of the devil, all the temptation he would face he kept his oath, your Lord Jesus Christ. And he trusted God. 
God sent His Son to be our hope, to be our high priest forever. And you know, Jesus Christ lifted up the one name, the name all of us should know, the name of the Lord. There is no one better to witness to the truth than my God. There's no one better to punish me if I lie. There's no one better to give me strength to keep my word. So you know this. This is the third commandment. Don't take the name of God in vain. But put it in positive. In the positive it sounds like this. Lift up the name of God. The next chance you have, you're in a tight spot and your words are weak and you know that you could thump the table and yell louder and you could say some pretty nasty things. Or you could lift up the name of God. That's what this is about. You say, in the name of the Lord, God knows I will keep my word. My yes is yes, and my no is no. This is the one you praise, Deuteronomy says. And so the point is, words are weak. So beef up your words with the name of the Lord. Amen.